This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation, whose mission it is to help people find hope after loss. Well, good morning, Heidi. Uh, good morning from California. It's uh, what time there? One o'clock in New York? Yep, it's one sixteen, and it's raining out today on this October day, and we almost it's almost Halloween. That's right, it is. And, you know, that's one of the things I want to talk a little bit about. But I think we had to bring our guest uh, on first because I want to talk to her about it because she, Ellen Gerst, is one of our authors and has written some wonderful articles, and some of them are about holidays. But uh, there's a lot more going on uh, with her than that, right, Heidi? You want to talk a little bit about Ellen? Sure. Um, Ellen was widowed when she was only 39 years old. She's written a book called, she's written a couple of books, but she's written one called Love After Loss writing the rest of your story, and it's basically about finding love after spouse loss. And what I, I love so many things that she's doing, but I love that she talks a lot about the new, finding your new single self, and we'll talk about that today. And like you said, Mom, she's written a bunch of stuff for our on Open to Hope, and one is Grief in the Holidays, You Can Be the Master of Your Emotions. Yeah, and so she's done some wonderful writing. And she also wrote another book, A Practical Guide to Widowhood, <clears throat> she was widowed pretty darn young at uh, 39, and in reading the uh, front of her book, um, she uh, got married very young, as I did, and uh, got married in the 20s, and then had a, a husband die early by suicide, I believe. Well, Ellen, welcome to our show. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you on, and, and we appreciate that you're one of our writers for Open to Hope, and we help people go to that site and read some of the great things you've written. Well, tell us about your experience and your journey. You were widowed very early, right? Yes. Um, I actually met my husband when I was 15, so he was my one and only boyfriend, married at 20. And, you know, I know it sounds like a cliche when somebody uh, commits suicide. They say, oh, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. But it really was. He he was the most sane and rational man you ever wanted to meet. And he just was under incredible stress. And he made a mistake. I think he just snapped. And I think uh, two minutes after he did it, he said, oh, my God, what did I do? Right. And, and you had a couple of kids, right? Yes, my kids. I had two sons. I have two sons. And they were 10 and 15 at the time. And mm. that, that, was, that was tough. That was probably the, the hardest conversation I've ever had to have. Telling them mm-hmm. what happened to their father. But, you know, I also got the very best piece of advice about two days after uh, he died. I called survivors for suicide, and, and I was most concerned about my children. And they said to me, your children are looking to you. Whatever you do, they're going to emulate you. And that's when I decided. I, made, I actually made a conscious decision that I was going to show them how to move through grief in a graceful and successful manner. You know, I always parented by example, and this was the greatest opportunity to do that. So that was your turning point, and Heidi and I often talk about those turning points. Sometimes uh, they come pretty early. It sounds like that came pretty early for you. Well, I am a, a very 
decisive person. I'm very task-oriented. Matter of fact, I, I would say, okay, if, if the bad things are going to come, if something's going to happen with my kids, act out or whatever, I said, okay, just bring it on and let me move through it and, and get it over with. Yeah. How, how, how early was it? Yeah. How early was it when you made that phone call? Um, about two days after he died. Right. And uh, unfortunately, what I had to learn was that task, ju- I mean, grief is just not another task to get over, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. to, and to put it on the list, you know, check it off. I, I had to learn that I had to get through it. So that, w- that was, I had that conscious decision I was going to do it, but now I had to figure out how I was going to do it. Now, one of the things that Heidi and I both picked up on when we were looking at your excellent writing, your book, and, and uh, the, your book, uh, Love After Loss, Writing the Rest of Your Story, we were looking at that book, and uh, it struck us both that you talked about your grief being seven years. That was really interesting because I've always said that I thought that um, grief for uh, loss of a child was about eight years. And, and I know for widows, they've talked about four years. And Heidi and I were discussing that time because, Heidi, you were saying that 9-11 widows were, talk about your experience with them. Yeah, I've been working with 9-11 widows since 9-11, and what we found, we're doing a, stu- a research study, and what we found is that at seven years, they started really kind of being comfortable with their, their new single selves and finding joy again, and it was the seven-year mark, and I love in your, in your book that you say it's the natural release of energy, which kind of naturally happens every seven years and encourages us to move forward and make changes. So, Alan, exactly what you're saying is what we found also. There's something about seven years. You know, that reminds me of my father-in-law, who was a, a worked with farmers, and he said that there was a seven-year cycle in the farming business, which is kind of interesting in the land and, and turning it over. There was a seven-year cycle. So that, that really is. I think that's a, a very spiritual uh, concept also. You know, with an unexpected death, it does, it does take longer. And I remember, uh, you know, I went to a grief counselor, and, and they said to me, you know, this is going to take about seven years for you to, for you to completely go through this. And I, and I looked at him, and I said, are you out of your mind? Seven years is a very long time. Right. But when I finally got to that point, I said, oh, my God. I, and, you know, it was so subtle. It's not that I was grieving hard and the same way throughout the whole seven years. But at seven years, just somehow, something just clicked, and I felt different. Well, and that's a good point, Alan. It's not like you were doing hard grief every day for seven years. I think that's a good point for people out there that might be scared at that, hearing that number. And it is a scary number. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. And especially if it's new. And, and then a lot of folks tell us that the second year is harder than the first. I don't know if you found that. One of one person I was talking to said that it's just different. The first year you grieve for the person who died, the second year you grieve for yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first year you're so foggy, you don't even know what questions to ask. And then the second year it finally dawns on you oh, my God, I have to face this and this and this. And I think even with suicide or or some other unexpected type of death, you know, a murder, like a murder, there's a whole other level that you have to deal with before you even get to the normal grief stuff. You have to work through the guilt, even though, you you know, it's it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. So feel that guilt. Well, well, talk about finding, here I am, I've had a loss, I've um, had a spouse die, and it's been, you know, maybe three years or something, and I'm, I'm starting to think I, 
I really want to do something different. Um, and I, and you know, what resonated with me is this idea of a new single self. How, how do I start finding it? Well, I think that, you know how people go, you go to a support group. I mean, we listen to shows such as this, you're online. It's because people live their life in stories. So they, they tell their stories and they hear other people's stories. The problem is that a lot of people get stuck in that story. They're so comfortable with those words and saying, oh, I'm a widow and, and whatever the story is. And you have to catch yourself so you don't get stuck in that and you start living your life. So if you want to start writing the rest of your story, you know, which is the vision that I, you know, that I use, so you can be a reporter in your own life. So what are the five questions that a reporter always asks when they're writing a story? Yeah. You know, who, what, where, when, and how? Right. So you can ask yourself those questions. You know, who are you now? You're no longer a couple, but you're not really feeling single. You're in that no man's land, and you really need to embrace that singlehood and, and see what that means. And it, it can be very empowering. And there's, um, there was a book written that I especially liked. It was by Cheryl Jarvis. It's called The Marriage Sabbatical. And in it, she says that, you know, women get, uh, get labeled by, you know, Bob's mom or Jim's wife, and they forget to have their own self. So she, she suggested everybody should take a marriage sabbatical, which, you know, is really not a realistic thing for somebody to take. But that's how I see widowhood. It's not a wanted one, but it's a sabbatical, just the same. And so you can decide, do you want more education? Do you want another job? Do you want to reconnect with people that you've lost touch with? Do you want to reconnect with religion or spirituality? You know, a whole host of things. And that's how you figure out who you are. And then the next question is what? So what are you going to do now that you're alone? All the circumstances of your life have changed. And you have to sit down, and it requires introspective thought to, to actually decide what you want to be when you grow up. Now, I'm still deciding what I want to be when I grow up, so that's an, that's an ongoing question. Um, next one is where. So now you feel, when you're first widowed, you know, you feel like you're in a foreign land, um, like you're watching a movie and there are subtitles and, and you don't understand the words. So you, you have to decide where your place is in this. You know, you have to step back in and start participating. And where it could also be literal, where you, you know, you might have to move. You might have to go get a job. Wow. Th those are, can be scary things for widowhood and widowerhood. I was just talking to a friend of mine whose wife died, and uh, she died a couple of years ago, going on to three, and he came to visit us. And, and I, you know, said, he, you know, said that he might like to, I said, would you like to meet some women and, or, you know, get together with some women that you know? And he sort of said he would. And so I had a couple of people that I know give him a call, and I think it scared the heck out of him. <laughs> so... Yeah, for what you wish for. <laughs> right. Yeah, if you put the word out to your friends, you know, people come and, you know, then wow. But one of the things that I know people have um, said, when do you decide to take your ring off? Um, I think that's a very personal decision, and, and everybody has, mm -hmm. to, has to make it on their own. I know that when I was widowed 15 years ago, there, you know, there was no such thing as online support, and, and really... I, I, it took me about two years to find a group that focused on young widows. And I would look down at my hand and I would say, hmm, I'm not married. 
am I not supposed to be wearing my ring? And, and there's, that, there's that phrase, supposed to. And then there are no supposed to's or, or have to's. So I think there are various things you can do. You can, you can move the ring to your other hand. You could put it on a chain. Yeah. Yeah, you could put it, you could put it away for your kids. You know, I just took my engagement ring two years ago. So that took me 13 years, and I finally made it into another piece of jewelry. So there's no timetable. And also, sometimes friends and family have opinions on this, and they say, oh, well, I think, you, you know, it's time. And I think to that remark, you should just say, thank you for sharing. I, I appreciate it. And, and then you should do what you want. Right. Mm-hmm. And you have to do it when, when you are ready. And, and don't be surprised if you don't know what you want, because you may think that you're ready to have coffee with somebody, and when it comes to it, maybe you aren't ready to do it. or, you know. But I wanted to get to your book a little bit, because um, there's some really unique things in this book, uh, Love After Loss, writing the rest of your story, that I know friends of mine are struggling with, and you've got some of the answers, and I've got to tell them about this book. In the book, you talk about dating sites. I know a lot of people are using that site and how to write a good profile, which I thought was really interesting. And you show examples of bad profiles, what you don't want to write. Because I've had a couple of friends that are, you know, trying to figure out how to write them. And there it is. I think you just need to write from your heart. And I mean, actually, that is my dating. The example in there is my dating profile. Ah. I put online and... The responses I got were pretty amazing. They, you know, I would get, oh, you restored my faith in womanhood, or, you know, it, it touched, and these are people who didn't even want anything from me. They would just, they just read it and liked it. And I think because it, it came across as I was just speaking my truth. You shouldn't write, you know, you don't want to be trite and say the same thing that, that everybody else says. Uh, you want it to be, you want it to be a reflection of you, because you know, you want to meet somebody who knows the real you. And, that, and that's why it's important for you to know the real you before you, before you go out there. And not put your high school pictures there. <laughs> right, no high school pictures. And, you know, that's a, that's a big deal when people comment and, and you've misrepresented yourself. Well, there's no place to go but down after that. You know, you lie about your age, you lie about your weight. What's the point? It's okay if you always only want to be a pen pal, but if you want to meet the person, you, you have to be upfront about it. And either they're going to like you or they're not going to like you. Now, did you meet, did you meet somebody online? Yes, I did. You know, my, my, about two and a half years after I was widowed, somebody introduced me to someone on a blind date. And I ended up having a, an on and off relationship for about four years, got engaged, unengaged, engaged again. <laughs> and turned out that at two and a half years, I wasn't ready. And what that relationship did for me is it brought me back to life. It, realized, it made me realize, boy, I, I really can feel something. I just had hidden all those emotions, those wants and desires deep down inside me because I was thinking, well, who's going to want me? You know, I, I have all this baggage and, well, you know, I'm never, I'm, I won't find anybody else. So I, I negated it. And... Uh, you know, after I broke off that, the engagement the final time, I took a rest. And then I decided, well, gee, I've never dated before. So I'm going to have a dating experience. And I wanted to meet, well, uh, let, me, let me backtrack. <laughs> My personality is I buy the first one. I buy the first house, the first coat, the 
first die. So I decided that I wasn't going to do that. I was going to meet a lot of different people. And I went in with the attitude that I wasn't going to have any expectations. I was just going to have fun. And that's what I had. Because whatever you project out there, it's going to come back to you. And Mm I, I did have an adventure, and I, and I didn't, I met lots of people that maybe weren't right for me, but, you know, people say, oh, there's such terrible people out there, they're married, they're lying to you. I, I didn't, I didn't find that, and maybe I was just lucky. Well, I, yeah, I would say to people, get her book, because it's just got so much information if you're thinking about um, going online, and they can get your book on Amazon, I assume? No, no, it's no. Not, either on my website or they. Oh, on your website. Okay, give them your website. FindingLoveAfterLoss.com. Or if they want to just, um, on an ebook reader, they can get it on Smashwords. They can just look up my name. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, you know, before we ended the show, I wanted to talk a little bit. I promised we'd talk about the holidays, and you're one of our authors. And as the um, Halloween comes up and then Christmas will be coming up and whatever, go to um, opentohope.com and look under uh, our contributors, our authors, and Ellen Gerst, G-E-R-S-T, is there, and you're going to be able to read her profile and also see um, some of the articles and her books that she's written. But I I just wanted to, you know, Halloween can be a rough time for people because, you know, it's kind of a kid's holiday. And and if you've lost your spouse and you usually have a party with your spouse or, you know, my my daughter, um, my uh, Heidi's sister has a party every year and her husband's very involved in it. And and you miss those kind of events, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So have you got any thoughts for people on the holidays, Ellen, if they've lost a spouse of how to get along? Well, I think you have to keep it simple. You can't put, um, you know, any pressure on yourself saying, well, this is the way it was always done, and so I have to do it this way. Well, that's not true. There are all sorts of ways to just celebrate, and you can start making new traditions. You know, you could have you know, a, a different kind of party, or you could go out, or, you know, wh- whatever it is you want to do, but this is going to be your new tradition. And and I think you should let friends and family help you. Uh, you don't have to do it by yourself. That's a great idea. Friends and family are so good for these kind of things, if you ask them. Yeah, and, and they just, they want to do something, they just don't know what it is, so they're really waiting for you to ask them, because, you know, they're hesitant to intrude on your life. And I think that you should make time to remember, if, you know, if, it, if it's a parent that died, you should take time to reminisce with your kids and say, oh, you know, this, is, this was a tradition we always had with, you know, daddy or mommy. And we're going to branch off on that and, you know, and we're going to do this special thing now. So, you know, you, you can word it so you can, you can lead your children where you want them to go. And in the holidays, you know, you have to take care of yourself, too. If you let yourself get run ragged or, you know, and feel you have to get out, you know, a thousand holiday cards because that's what you always did. Well, by the the end of the holidays, you're going to need a holiday and you're not going (laughs) to do anybody any good. Right. You really really need to take care of yourself. Well, Ellen, thank you for being on the show. And before we close, we just wanted you to talk a little bit about your new book that you've just written, uh, Thin Thread Stories. Right. I've actually co-edited that. And a thin thread is a moment or an event or setback that changes your life 
for the better. And what I did, I worked with this uh, publishing company, Kiwi Publishing, and we collected stories from people who had been through untold loss, and and they wrote this story showing how they found personal renewal. That's really an uplifting book. Not all of them are sad. Some of them are, you know, sweet little stories. It's a wonderful gift to give somebody uh, if they are if they lost a loved one, rather than just, you know, it could be a card also, and it could be put away so it could be read over and over again when somebody needs a list. So it's a, it's a really, it's a whole series of books. So it's a really, a, a really nice book. Great. And people can find that through your website? Yes, they can. Great. Well, uh, thanks a lot for being on the show today, Ellen, and uh, good luck in, in your writing. And uh, I, I love the, all the things you're doing. And I, as we were saying earlier, we could probably do about four shows with you. You've got so much information, but I know you've helped a lot of those widows out there. So thanks a lot for being on. Thank you. I appreciate having you, you having me. Thanks, Ellen. And thank you for helping people find their new single self after loss. Thank you. Bye-bye, Heidi. Bye-bye. Well, Heidi, that was an interesting show with Ellen. As I said, we could go on and on with her, couldn't we? Absolutely, and I just wanted to tell our listeners out there that she has written some great articles that are on Open to Hope. There's one that's called How Surrender May Help You Recover, and there's there's other ones, too, if people want to hear more from Ellen. Yeah, but it's a, a really rich, and she's a very good writer, so we suggest that you do that, and we hope that you'll tune in again next week for more of the Open to Hope show, and we wish you... Um, peace during this Halloween holiday, if it's one that's important for you, or if it's one that hasn't had that much meaning in the past. But please take care of yourself, and uh, don't be surprised if a little grief sneaks up on you. Stay tuned next week. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.